Hi, everybody. I'm Matt. I'm James Kennedy. And this is the Secrets of Story podcast. All right, everybody. That was our theme music. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, James. And welcome to our new special guest. It is a first-time special guest who has never been on the show before. His name is Lou Anders. Say hi to everybody, Lou. Hey, it is great to be here. Um, I'm really glad to have Lou because our two reedy midwestern voices can be complimented by his like smooth mellow southern uh it's very pleasant to listen to lou's voice <laughs> i was born and raised in atlanta georgia but i lost, never would know it i lost any hint of an accent which i only ever had any hint of an accent and uh, i've lost it having lived in the north since 1993 but I was just, as I was just saying before we were recording, I spent 10 minutes reading your Wikipedia page, Lou, and I learned about your travels around. You were born and raised in Alabama, but then you ended up living in various other places, only to then uh, choose to return to the land of your birth? Correct. I, I, I grew up here, and then I left it for almost two decades. I went to uh, well, school in Virginia, but then, then um, London, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and I don't know if it was choice to come back. It was more like the dot com crash sent me back. <laughs> <laughs> with your with your tail between your legs. With my tail between my legs. But now I've I've been back two decades and the accents come back. It's not the accent I had growing up. It's a different accent. Can you oh imitate what you sounded like growing up? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I, I pick up accents whatever I, I'm around, but I can't go back to them. So when I Oh no, in, are you that are you that guy who like went to like London for like for like a semester and came back with like a total British accent. Totally. I had <laughs> one that Americans thought I was British. British people were always having trouble pegging me, but they thought I was from like Johannesburg, South Africa or New Zealand or, or, <laughs> or, or sometimes Australia. You know, they knew it wasn't a proper British accent, but they never thought I was American. Well, for years I had a Brooklyn accent. When I first got to college, I, I conned my way into a higher level English class. <laughs> and the first story I wrote for them, the teacher pulled me aside and accused me of plagiarizing. <laughs> if you don't speak like this, you could not have written it. <laughs> I, I, I guess I was just latching on to the strongest accent on my hall. But the guy across the hall for me was named Howie Pilars from Brooklyn. And for the next four years, I talked like Howie. And I started acting in my fifth year in college. And they took me aside one day and they said, we want you to work with a vocal coach to lose your Brooklyn accent. <laughs> and they go, we've obviously insulted you. There's nothing wrong with a Brooklyn accent. We want you to be able to do a range of characters. I said, I'm from Alabama. <laughs> they're like, look, look, we're not trying to be mean. Your accent's fine. We just want you to be able to do. And I spent uh, a semester working with a vocal coach to lose a Brooklyn accent. Amazing. <laughs> So uh, we, we kind of buried the lead here. So Lou is famous for a, a, a fantasy trilogy called Thrones and Bones, Frostborn, Nightborn, and Skyborn. He's got a new fantasy novel called Once Upon a Unicorn, and he wrote a Star Wars book. Um, am I missing anything, Lou? Nope. We, we spend a lot of time talking about Star Wars on this podcast, as I think you know, because I think you are a listener to this podcast. It is wonderful to have someone who actually has put in that universe uh, on this show, but we are very impressed by all that you have done, and you are now doing an Indiegogo for a role-playing game. Correct. We just actually closed the Kickstarter out last week. We had 554 backers 
for uh, two role-playing game books set in the world of my first novel. It, Very uh, impressive. Yes, we are Facebook friends, uh, and I've been watching that whole process play out, and it looks fascinating. You've got amazing art. You've got amazing stuff uh, that you're offering. So yeah, so we originally met, I think this was just, you just contacted me out of the blue, and you said that you like Secrets of the Story, and you said uh, you friended me on Facebook. Was that how we met? I think so. Jonathan Ossia recommended Secrets of Story. I met him at a, at a children's book convention in Texas, and I, I'm a big, big believer in the idea that writing books are terrible. Mm-hmm. And uh, he swore by yours, and I read it, and I think it's one of only three decent writing books I've ever read in my life. And well, that's uh, wonderful. Thank you so much. So I had to contact you. Yes, and uh, and you did, and I'm glad that's worked out. I'm glad we've uh, we've gotten to know each other a little bit, and then you've gotten to know James too, also over Facebook. And then you said, "Hey, I listened to that recent podcast you guys did on Head Heart Gut, and I have my own things to say about that." And I said, "Well, we would love to have you come on the podcast and talk about it." And so that is what we have done. We have had you on. Should we uh, should we say anything else before we get started, guys? Yes. Lou, let me ask you this. Are they going to let you have a crack at the, the High Republic Star Wars stuff? No, they aren't. And a buddy of mine is doing it. There are like five people on the High Republic. And my understanding is they're keeping those five as the, the architects and not letting other people in. I got lucky. I got to write the reason for the Smuggler's Run ride at Galaxy's mm-hmm. Edge. Oh, wow. That's so awesome. you, when people are doing that ride, they're like, and if you want to know what's going on, read this book by Lou Anders. You, I wish they would. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it. Uh, I, I've been out to the to the park in in California. My son's been in the one in Florida, and my book is not on sale at either guest store. What? <laughs> um, it's. I literally stood there behind a woman who Hondo comes out and she's like, "Who is he? Why does he have the Millennium Falcon?" And I bit my tongue. I'm like, "Well, there's this book." <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> anybody in the park could be bothered to, to sell it. Um, you you could have been literally that part in Annie Hall where. Um, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Uh, oh wait, who's the guy? Marshall Mac- McLuhan. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, um, you know nothing about my work. <laughs> okay. Let's go ahead and get started here. So, Lou, what is this topic that you wanted to talk about? Well, I want to give you guys the other half of Head, Heart, Gut. The other I, half? The other half. Uh, I, I, I'm i complete agreement with you when you're talking about Head, Heart, Gut and Kirk, Spock and McCoy and all that. And then when you start talking about head and negative head or spleen or, or groin, I think you are overly complicating something that I have a slightly more elegant solution for. All right. And I, I need to set it up a little bit, which is um, when I was in Chicago, I met a guy named Dan Decker who, who taught screenwriting. And he was at the time, he was teaching somebody else's course and he was unsatisfied with it. So he went out and studied the then top 100 films and came up with his own idea of screenwriting. And I learned at his feet. He, 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 I took one of his courses and then he just kept asking me to come take his courses as he refined his courses. And for a while there, Dan would get flown out to LA to teach development execs in Hollywood. And he was my guru for years. And then I moved out to LA and tried screenwriting for a bit. And then I became an editor. And for 10 years, I ran a science fiction and fantasy imprint called Pyre Books and uh, edited about 150 novels during that time. Wow. And one day I was sitting around with Mary Robinette Kowal and Paolo Bacigalupi, two authors, in Denver. And they started asking about my time in Hollywood. And I started describing my screenwriting theories. And their eyes lit up. And Paolo said, I do this without knowing I'm doing it. 
And Mary Robinette said, I don't do this. And you just fixed a major hole in my current project. <laughs> well, that's the first time I started thinking about screenwriting as a way to teach novelists how to plot. Right, which we had a whole episode about should right. or should novelists follow screenwriting advice or will that will that lead them astray? It will not. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, sometime after that, I discovered this book called My Story Will Be- Can Beat Up Your Story by Jeffrey Allen Schechter. Mm-hmm. And it fit perfectly with Dan Decker's ideas and reinformed my 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 thinking. And then I read your book, The Secrets of Story, and that's the holy trinity of of writing. <laughs> and no more is needed except possibly the other one you're writing. Yes, uh, <laughs> that'll be that'll complete the holy quartet. Yeah, but um, the piece specifically I want to talk about are the eight characters. It's not head, heart, gut. Mm-hmm. So we've got our protagonist. We know who the protagonist is. That's the main character who has a goal they want to achieve and there's something blocking them and they have something they need to have to learn how to do or overcome in themselves or they can't achieve their goal. We've got the attack, the antagonist, who is the person placing obstacles in the path of the protagonist. And then we've got the mentor and the mentor is the person with something to teach who's been there before. It's Thel- it's, it's Louise and Thelma Louise, who's already been through something horrific and doesn't want to go back to Texas or Mississippi or wherever it is. But now we've got a character called the bad example. Mm-hmm. And the bad example is the character who tries to pull our hero onto the wrong path. And oftentimes they're who the hero will become if the hero doesn't get their head out of their butt and change directions. Yes. I talk about in my book, parallel characters, characters Correct. who, you know, are, are show various things the hero could become good or bad. Then you've got, and I, I don't think I'm contradicting you. I think I'm just rearticulating in a, in a different way. Mm-hmm. But then you've got the true believer. And the true believer is the character that has unshaking faith in the hero from the get-go. They believe Mm -hmm. the hero can be the hero before the hero themselves can. And opposite the true believer, you have the doubter. And that's the person who challenges the hero's methods and says, why you and you can't do this and you're no good and this is stupid and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Then the final two, you have the thinker and the feeler. And the thinker is a parallel character who analyzes the hero's course of action and then takes action of their own that complements the hero. Oftentimes, they're the one who shows up with the missing piece of the puzzle that mm-hmm. they've been looking for to put it all together. And then you have the feeler, who's the character who shoots first and rushes in where angels fear to tread. Mm-hmm. Now, what's great about this is we're going to put it on a wheel with Star Wars A New Hope. <laughs> I, I, I kept, you know, we we talk about Star Wars A New Hope a lot of this podcast, and the whole time you're talking, I'm like, okay, so in Star Wars, that would be... <laughs> so we know the main character is Luke. Mm-hmm. The antagonist of Star Wars is Tarkin. Yes, thank you. Everyone always says Darth Vader, and it's so not. It's Tarkin. It's a movie about faith versus technology, and Tarkin is head of the Death Star. And he's also the only one that actually does active things to block them. So the mentor is obvious. It's Obi-Wan Kenobi. The bad example. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, uh, Owen, it's, it's Owen Lars. Nope. Han. No. <laughs> I don't know. This is, a about, this is a movie about faith versus technology. R2-D2. No. It's Darth Vader. <laughs> it's Darth Vader. <laughs> oh, he's the bad... Okay, I see what you're saying. He's, he's the bad that. example. He's the one who is who yeah. is what could happen to Luke if Luke goes wrong. But, but yes. Owen is what That's would me. happen to Luke if he Luke, no, kept being no, a farm boy. No, no. no. Luke is, is, is asked to make a choice between faith and technology, and Vader has never made that choice. Which He's got literally technology embedded in him. He's a Jedi. He's a mystical knight who walks around, even though he says, like, you know, don't put your faith in this technological terror. He's mm-hmm. still half technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
foot in both camps and he's in hell as a result. Okay. Now, yeah. the thinker you've already identified, it's Princess Leia. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? You call this a rescue. Someone has to get us out of here. They let us go, you idiot. Plus, she has the plans for the Death Star. You know, right. he's the thinker. The feeler. Uh, it's uh, 3PO. He's always freaking oh, out. No, no. The feeler is Han Solo. Mm-hmm. The blaster is what you need. Chasing down the hallway after 20 stormtroopers because he's, you know, never tell me the odds. He just uh-huh. goes. Yeah. And then the true believer in the doubter. 3PO is the doubter. Correct. So R2-D2 is a true believer. Absolutely. R2-D2 sets out to find Obi-Wan Kenobi, marches out into the desert. R2-D2 knows when it's time to leave the Death Star and just goes charging down a hallway with blaster bolts going everywhere, never gets hit. R2-D2 is just, you know, he's completely driving the action. He knows exactly what to do, when to do it. He never has a doubt. Now, the thing about it is, if you look at who they are in the film, you've got two old Jedi as the mentor and bad example. You have two robots as the true believer and the doubter. And you have, as the thinker and the feeler, a princess and a rogue. Yes. Which is such an old pairing, they stuck a rogue in Rapunzel and Entangled, even though there isn't one in the original story. Yes. Yep. So with this method, a lot of times if you're looking for the people on the wheel and you don't know who they are, you can see who they pair with and they'll show up. Ah, Ah, this is this is really clever. So I'll show you with um, Wrath of Khan. Oh wait, hold on. I, I'm I'm noting this all down. Let me get a new piece of paper. Hold Ooh. on. Um, so you've both seen Wrath of Khan. Yes. Oh, of course, of course. We Start yes, we we have discussed Wrath of Khan on the show. The antagonist is Khan. Mm-hmm. The mentor. Hold on, Spock. Yes. Spock's trying to tell him at the start, your best destiny is to be a starship captain. The bad example. The bad example is. Um, uh, it's it's Khan. No wait, huh? Uh, it, it's his wife. No. Okay. <laughs> his it's son. <laughs> no, he d- no. does he? Yeah, he's, he meets his son in that one, doesn't he? Yeah. Um. So, All right, well, let's 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 do it this way. What is Spock in terms of the story? Not in terms of the the mentor role, but what is he actually in the story? He is a. He's the first first mate, right? Correct. First officer. First officer. He's a Vulcan. Do we have another one of those? Oh, it's, oh, uh, it's Chris Kealy. Yes, Sarek. also no. a first officer and a Vulcan. Yes, uh, I haven't seen this movie in a long time. Yes, Chris Kealy. The whole way through, she quotes the rule book at Kirk. She's like, you can't pilot a, this, but you have to be on impulse power to pilot a spaceship out of space dock or whatever. She fusses at him all the way through for not following the rules. Mm-hmm. But if Kirk follows the rules, he accepts his promotion to admiral, he gives up the Enterprise, and he dies inside. Mm-hmm. He's never been about following the rules. He should not follow the rules. He should disregard the rules to stay young and stay relevant. So mm-hmm. she is the bad example. She represents what will happen to Kirk if he goes down that path. Now, the true believer, the person who knows Kirk can get him out of the jam no matter what. Uh, I guess it, it's uh, Bones? Nope. Chekhov? Nope. Come on in. This movie, who sets in, who involves Kirk in the film? The mother of his child? Correct. She Mm -hmm. can hold out to choose from, and she calls Kirk when she gets in trouble. Ah. And the doubter is? The doubter? Who is the doubter? Maybe that would be Bone? No, it's not Bones. What pairs with the mother? Oh, Oh, his son. His son? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's totally rebellious towards Kirk. Why did you call this overgrown Boy Scout? He hates Kirk. 
doesn't know he's his father, can't stand him. And so you've got a mother-son pairing. And then the thinker and the feeler is Scotty and McCoy, of course. Yes. You know, all the engineer and the doctor. And then what about the worms that dig into your brain? Are those... <laughs> Are those are those bad examples? Are they, you you definitely don't want to be the worm that digs in the brain. So so the, the feeler is McCoy and the thinker is Scotty. Yep. Okay. Let's do one more like this. The original. Well, let's see if we now that now we're getting a hang of this. Let's see if we get, <laughs> if we can get it. Like, but okay. let's have both Matt and I take a guess for each one. I should have taken better notes as you were talking, but okay, let's so, let's try it. The Avengers. Oh, oh I, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> nope. James uh, is tapping out. Protagonist. Iron Man. Yep. Antagonist. Loki. All right, what do they both want? They both want the, the cube. They both want no, the... No. Uh, what do they want? What do they want? Yes. They, they want they want power. Yeah. I, I don't know. What does Iron Man want? I, well, Iron Man is literally hooking up an electrical grid when we first they, meet. They want to rule the world. I mean, they both want to rule the world. They both want to save the world. But they both want the, the love of the world. Yes. Uh, they, they want recognition. Want the like when Loki right. makes everyone bow to him. And they're going about it the wrong way, both of them. Yes. Okay, the mentor. I almost feel like it's Pepper. Well, but... what is what is Tony's problem in the film? Remember when Coulson dies? Yes. Tony was pissed off. He says, we're not heroes, we're not soldiers. Mm-hmm. He's angry that Coulson went up against Loki when it was a no-win fight because he, Tony will not sacrifice himself for anyone else. Tony is all about Tony. He's fine playing at being a hero, but he's never going to lay down his life for someone else. Mm-hmm. And one character in the film who has an actual "Do you know what your problem is?" dialogue with Tony about laying down your life. Oh, for so us. it's Captain America. Correct, Captain America. So if Captain America is the mentor, who is the bad example? If Tony's problem is is he won't sacrifice for others, he won't. Uh, Thor, the bad example. No. Who will Tony turn into if he doesn't? If he's not a team player, a Hulk. No. <laughs> literally a moment in the film where he symbolically steps into this person's role and imitates them. I haven't seen it more. I haven't seen it recently enough. So this person, every time we see them when they're not with the Avengers, they're arguing with the rest of their own team. Oh, Nick Fury. Yep. Every time okay. we see him, he is fighting with his superior officers or his, his counsel or whatever they are. Nick Fury does not play well with others. The thing he accuses Tony of. Nick Fury trusts no one. Nick Fury has no friend. That's why at the end of Captain America Winter Soldier, nobody wants to go to Europe with him because no one trusts or likes Nick Fury. Right. Tony will become Nick Fury if he does not learn to put other people first, to throw himself on the grenade like Captain America would do, and to just play everything about just being about Tony. Tony will turn into Nick Fury, a lonely, bitter guy that nobody likes if he doesn't change. A guy who is literally missing part of his body, who is an incomplete person. And there is a point when when he gets to the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier. He steps into Nick Fury's position at the front of the helicarrier. He starts spying on S.H.I.E.L.D. He plants the bug. And he holds one hand over his eye and says, how does he see anything from this position? Does he turn his head? (laughs) He's turning into Nick Fury at that moment. Yes. And what Nick Fury does, spying on the people who are supposed to be his friends. Yep. Okay. The true believer and the doubter? I guess the true believer is the Hulk and the doubter is Thor. Nope. <laughs> this one's a little bit I'll, – I'll, I'll give you on this one because it, it's – the doubter is, 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 is Hawkeye because he's he's been possessed. And when he comes back, he doesn't believe he can still do it. He says, I've killed – 
agents while I was possessed. Can I still be on the team? Right. And the believer is Natasha, who says, buddy, I've killed tons of shield agents. <laughs> deal? Of course you can. Um, what do you think? I guess I the only my- thing I know about Thor is him is the meme of him saying, is it? You know what I'm talking about? Like, like uh, the Hulk is talking to him. In, in, yeah. In the, 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 yeah, that's all, that's all I know about him. So that's why oh. I made him the doubter. Well, Thor is the feeler. Yeah. And so sure. is the Hulk. And then the thinker is Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. which is why he's the one that figures out how to track Loki's energy signature. He's the one that works with Tony and he's the one that pinpoints where they are at the end of the movie. Um, this is one of those things that makes all, it makes a lot of sense once you lay it out, but why can't we get it before you tell us? I think it's cause I didn't, I, I should have been writing down what the yeah, definition of each of these figures was, as he originally said it. I did not know there was going to be a quiz. Once <laughs> I, would, I would have gotten it. I should have given you guys. A heads up but once you start seeing it like now now here's the thing so remember if you can't spot them look at what they are so captain america is a soldier nick fury is a spy tinker taylor soldier spy natasha is a russian agent hawkeye is an american agent banner is a scientist so we pair the scientist with the frankenstein monster or we pair the scientist with the god mm-hmm. yep you find sure. the roles and and you can find out who they are can we do Big Hero Six? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I saw that a long time ago too, but I'm gonna try. Yeah, I I, I can't pass a quiz on that, but uh, I'll I'll have to rely on you. Well, Hero is the hero, mm-hmm. and Kabuki Man is the antagonist, mm-hmm. and this is a film about whether or not you let revenge cloud your judgment and put your revenge ahead of other people's needs. Mm-hmm. The mentor is his brother, mm-hmm. but what's so beautiful about this film is the mentor dies and then is replaced by Baymax as the mentor. Well, we have two mentors who die. Right. First, yeah. first the brother dies, and then his. Uh, I I thought it was an odd structure in that movie where we have two different mentor dies moments where the person who runs the program, who then later comes back as the villain, he dies and the brother dies. But the person who runs the program is not a spiritual mentor. He's just a mentor in terms of career. He's not a mentor in terms of life and right. art and changes. So it's the brother. And then it passes to Baymax. And you have that beautiful moment where Baymax says, Tadashi is here and touches his own heart. Mm-hmm. And that lets you know Baymax is carrying on as the mentor. So the bad example. The guy who dresses up like Godzilla? No, 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 no. no. We'll get to him. We'll get to him. So is it the, wait who who was the antagonist again? The antagonist is the Kabuki man. They do a great job here of making you think the bad example is the antagonist, and then he isn't. Well, is it, wasn't there a guy who was like the head of the robotics yep. program? Alistair Cray Cray Industries. He's the CEO that actually the the guy who you think is dead, who's the actual bad guy, doesn't like because he says he cuts corners. Right. He's the guy who's responsible for the loss of the guy's daughter. And Cray is is the bad example because he's just somebody who puts his own needs ahead of other people. And that's what got Kabuki Man's daughter lost. Yes. But, but the way they pair. Well, let's go. Let's keep going. So the true believer and the doubters are wonderful. Um, there's a comic book fan. Uh, yep. th- is that the true believer? It is. He's the one who knows who they are from the get-go. He's not even a scientist. He has no reason to be at the school. He just hangs out there. He wants an invisible sandwich. He wants a monster. He sees them and goes, we're comic book superheroes. They get kicked out of the university. He says, hey, did I mention I have a mansion and a butler? He he is just on board for everything. And the doubter is the 
Rasta guy who's like, I, please don't rearrange my tools. I stop at red lights during a chase scene. I, <laughs> if it's the Damon Wayans character? Yeah, yeah, I would enjoy, I would be having a good time if I weren't so terrified. The mm-hmm. whole way through. And, and then the thinker is a little bit weak in this one, but the thinker is Honey Lemon. She's the only person who does not need any help with her advice, with her device. He, he perfects everybody else's device to give them their weapons, but she's already got hers. Mm-hmm. And the feeler is, is the go-go girl who loves speed. Mm-hmm. And so when you play that out, what you have is for the mentor and the bad example is you have the startup versus the huge tech company. Right. You have the surfer dude paired with the Rasta dude. And you have the nerdy girl paired with the sporty girl. Very cool. This is great. Have you ever found uh, something that has like resoundingly worked for you that doesn't follow this? You know, when you have a movie that has less than this many characters, you're not going to find all the characters. Yeah, but my dinner with Andre isn't going to have this. When you have, <laughs> exactly. But then you're not. You know, that that's not my focus. <laughs> um, my my interest in with my dinner with Andre begins and ends with the community episode. <laughs> you know, uh, with my girls, um, we've watched uh, all the communities to the end of season three. My girls are nine and eleven, um, but we skipped the Pulp Fiction my dinner with Andre episode because I figure they're not going to get any of these references. <laughs> yeah, like when they when they would make a reference to like Goodfellas or something, I went and I showed them the scene from Goodfellas that was being referenced, uh, which you was, should not have done. Yeah. Uh, um, but like one time we went to the, uh, uh, the union station in Chicago. I was like, Oh my God, there's a scene from the untouchables. You've got to see. <laughs> and then I, I forgot that there is so many people getting shot in that scene. <laughs> On the flip side of that, I think when you have an even bigger cast, you'll find triangles off the triangles. Like, um, to go back to the Avengers again, cause I know James loves it so much. Uh-huh. If you pretend for a second that Bruce Banner is the main character. Uh-huh. Right. What Bruce Banner needs is to be accepted as a human being. You know, he gets there and he sees the big cage. He says, is that for me? He, he does not want to be treated as a monster. He wants to be treated. He, he, he thinks he's, he thinks he's there just to hook out. He wants to be there to be a scientist. Mm-hmm. So his um, mentor is Tony Stark. Everybody else treats him like a monster. Tony pokes him in the first thing Tony says to him is I, I loved your paper on blah, blah, blah. And I'm a big fan of how you turn into a huge green rage monster. And then Tony pokes him with a sharp, sharp, sharp stick, trying to <laughs> make him hulk out. And Tony says to him the whole time, suit up, suit up. And he keeps saying, it's not a suit. It's not a suit. And Tony says, sure, it is. Suit up. And Tony's trying to let him know your demon is a part of you. You know, it's not it's not an other. It's not the big guy. It's mm-hmm. just you. Suit up. Get over yourself and suit up. And that's why they have the scene with him getting in the convertible with Tony at the end of the film. Because it right. closes out the mini movie inside the movie. It's the reconciliation between those two, what Tony was trying to teach him. But there's a, the antagonist is beautiful. The Hulk's antagonist is who? If he wants to be treated as a human being, who's his antagonist? Loki? No, that's Tony's antagonist. Ah. But the Hulk beats up Loki. Yeah, yeah. But that's not, that's not, that's not. I know, I know, I know. Uh, (laughs) I mean, Tony would be his antagonist if if Tony's trying to transform him. Nope. Tony is the mentor. Who treats him more like an animal than anybody else? When the, we first meet Natasha, she's tied to a chair. She gets a phone call and she beats up four guys. So we know she's a badass. She can beat up four armed men while she's tied to a chair. And they say, bring in the big guy. And she mean, and she says, you mean Thor? And they said, no, Coulson's got Thor. We mean the other big guy. And her face goes white. 
And then she goes to get Tony and I mean, to Bruce. And he says, did you come alone? And she says, yes. And he jumps at her and a hundred guns come out. He is furious. He says, you could have just asked, but instead she brought an army to try and bring him in. She treats him like she's terrified of him and she treats him like a monster from the get go. And he hates her. And that is why the first time he turns into Hulk, he attacks her. That's right. Huh. He takes her through the ship and tears the ship apart, trying to smash her. She is his antagonist because she won't treat him like a human being. Okay, so, Harry Potter. I haven't actually analyzed Harry Potter. So Harry is the hero. Voldemort's the antagonist. The mentor is Dumbledore. That's easy. The bad example, I think, is Draco Malfoy because Harry Potter, the first one, is really about who your friends are. So, so you know, he he sit he chooses to sit with Ron, even though Ron comes from the poor family that Draco looks down on. And Draco says, "You don't want to choose the wrong sort of friends." And Harry says, "I can choose my own friends," and that's what it's about. It's about the family that is chosen versus the family that is given. So Draco is the bad example, right? Um, I think Hermione is the thinker, and Ron is the feeler. You know, Ron <laughs> wants to eat the chocolate and overeat, and he's Ron is all about the emotion of the moment. And Hermione is about, let's think about this. Let's analyze this. Um, Believer in the first film. Well, is it Hagrid? It, it's, it's totally Hagrid. He says, you're a wizard, Harry. So Snape is the doubter. But, you know, and there you have it. You have, the, you have the, the guy who was kicked out of the school and is the gardener versus the potion guy. No, the dark arts. Dark oh, arts. my God, it totally works. Yeah, this yeah. is like, you know how in, in, like, in a scientific theory, like you've got to have it, like not yeah. just account for like the things that you've already seen, but it has to be able to make predictions for things that you wouldn't have guessed. And, yep. and like this whole thing about like people pairing up is a total grace note for this theory that makes it work so well. Well, not yeah, only I like it a lot. Taylor, not only are they not only do they eventually end up married, but you know Hermione is verboten because she comes from an all Muggle family, and Ron is verboten because he comes from a poor family. You know the mentor and the, the metaphor anyway. So you have two, you have two wizards on the outs, but for different reasons who are paired. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I know that Matt just told me I'm a mansplainer, but I think it's verboten. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see my fingers right now, can you? <laughs> I, you know, uh, we like to be accurate here. <laughs> when you get something like uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, yes. Wait, wait, uh, okay, okay, Matt, you do this one. <laughs> okay. Avatar. All right. Again, I did not write down the definitions of these terms, which I really regret I didn't do. I'll help but, you Okay. Out. All right. Let's go ahead and do it. Okay. So, who's the who's hero? Aang. Okay. Who's the antagonist? Zuko. Zuko. Okay. Who's the mentor? You know, I'm I'm doing this at the I'm doing this at the beginning of the beginning mm-hmm. of the season. Um, who is you know who is Aang's mentor? I mean. Definitely the main mentor of the of the series is Iroh. But of Lord course, Roku for right? For yeah. Avatar Roku. Sure. Yeah. No, I guess I guess I mean I guess Monkeyatsu is sort of his original mentor, you yeah. know, just in flashbacks. He's got a lot of mentors. Yeah. This might be different for like long running TV shows. I think pe- like many people might pass through like a certain role. Changes over time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, how about the bad example? The bad example of how Aang could turn out, um, I mean, I guess it's got to be, that's got to be Zuko, I guess. I guess in the first season, the bad guy would be, would be Admiral Zhao, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then the bad example would be Zuko. Okay, mm-hmm. who's the true believer? Well, I mean, every episode begins with Katara going, I believe Aang can save the world. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's pretty much. <laughs> so, so that we know the doubters pretty easily. 
uh, the data would be would be Sokka. Right. And, I, and it also, it, it pairs nicely with the true believer. Uh, but yeah, he's a total doubter. Brother and sister. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thinker. They, they analyze the hero and they take actions that complement the hero's actions. I don't know. Who would that be? I mean, we're kind of out of characters. I think that, I think it shifts across the series. If we limit mm. the, we limit the season one, I'm not sure there is one. And I think that, I think that Sokka and Katara uh, are, are clearly the the believer in the doubter, but then Sokka jumps to the thinker role. Yeah, yeah, he's always got a map. He's always making the plans. Yep, and he he and somebody pointed out the other day that he learns all four non-building skills from each of the four nations. Oh, like what? Like I, you know, he learns the Kabuki theater weapon stuff from the Isle of the I forgot what the the, the Kyoshi warriors. Oh yeah, the Kyoshi mm-hmm. warriors. Yep. Sword fighting from the Jap from the Fire Nation and builds his, his yep. sword. And then he he um I forgot what he did in the other two, but he he, he but I remember someone showed it to me and I was like, oh my god, he does. He learns a skill in each of the four nations. Huh. Cool. And uh, so he's the the non magical correlation, but he's definitely the thinker. Toph is definitely the feeler. Oh yeah, how, how can we forget about Toph? Yeah. She walks around barefoot. <laughs> the <laughs> she's, yeah, she's, feeler. she's literally feeling her way through the world. So and okay, I, so this is an interesting case. So we have uh, our first time in which we have one character that occupies two roles. Yeah, I think they occupy at the same time. I think that Sokka goes from doubter in the first season to thinker in the second. Or, yeah, there's or, a lot of doubter in Tough. I yeah. think you, you know, I, I sometimes notice that like when I'm a sorry. character is ready to transform, the person who represents like what they used to be in some crystallized form immediately appears. I mean, when mm. Sokka is ready to transform, that's when Tough appears. In the same way that when Han Solo is ready to transform, Lando appears. You know, mm. and it, and then he has to struggle with like the anthropomorphized version of his own like down and dirty double dealing ways, you know. Right. And, and so immediately when your character is just about to do this change, they have a final test in which you have to they kind of uh, confront in the form of a, a character that yeah sums up all of their old personalities and they and they they, they pass that test or fail it. Very much. Uh, well, that's so. This is very cool. So I so we've. We talk on this. All we ever talk about on this podcast is Star Wars and Harry Potter. So now we've broken these things out of Star Wars and Harry Potter. I'm so glad that you brought in Wrath of Khan, which is a movie that now I desperately want to see again because I desperately love Wrath of Khan. And I had completely forgotten the existence of Kirstie Alley in that movie. And and then the Avengers, which I can never get. Uh, I can never get James to talk about the Marvel movies. He is a, he is a resolutely anti-Marvel man. Uh, but let's go. So, I mean, obviously you've got the Avengers and you, you're talking about how all these things play out in the Avengers. By the time you get to Avengers Infinity War, uh, which broke James's mind, oh my God, uh, and I hate you get that to movie. Avengers Endgame, you've got so many Avengers. I mean, they, they dialed it back down for Avengers Endgame. But by the time you get to Avengers Infinity War, you know, you've literally got like 20 main characters who right. all have their own storylines in the movie Avengers Infinity War. So I'm sure you, you could drive yourself crazy trying to, trying to chart this out for that one. Absolutely. Oh, but let's do it. And, <laughs> no, it's no, driving crazy. Let's let's let's, 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 let's drive it. We're gonna we're, the accent is gonna change twelve times during this process. <laughs> it's gonna be like his face is gonna keep like changing from one person to another. He's gonna try to be all things to all people, and he's just gonna explode. It's gonna be like scanners. He's gonna explode. Let, let's do it. The adventures. Um, <laughs> I would say that in that case, I think that for the ancillary storylines that you just reduced to three, just the protagonist, mentor, and antagonist. Yeah. 
like the Hulk in the first Avengers. And I bet we could find those for for all the separate storylines. I don't yeah. think we'd find thinker provers and believers and doubters, but I think we would break little triangles off of them. No, uh, we, we could drive ourselves insane. So this is how many characters, this uh, this breakdown? This is seven characters? It's eight characters. Eight seven ca- characters in a circle around the main. Seven characters in a circle. I'm, oh, well, now I, oh, now I want to see the circles. So it's one character in the center and then seven characters surrounding the character in in every direction. And the characters cross over into each other. You can figure out who the characters are based on how they line up with each other. So how has this helped you in your own writing, like in your own uh, novels? Well... For the first two novels, I didn't know this. I, uh, I, I I came into this after plotting the second novel, so I knew I knew some of it, but not all of it. For the third novel, I really used it. I ironically have a habit of writing split main, where the where the two main characters are on a chase, you know, being chased or chasing across the land, and I don't have enough characters to, to use it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> You know what's really good about this, which like so Matt has a circle that he makes, you know, as you know, which is head, heart, and gut, and then yep. people can split with like some people are like you know partially polarized or like head, heart, or gut, head, or or whatever. But the the thing that's and that I mean I think it's good for analysis after the fact. But when I've tried to like apply that to my own writing, it's you just get to the point of like, well, okay, now I need somebody who's a head, heart. It's like that doesn't really guide you much. But with your version here, hero, antagonist, mentor, bad example, true believer, etc., this gives particular roles to each person, which has gives them like a a, a a a function in the story, and that I think gives more guidance than just saying somebody is, has to be partially polarized into like head gut that doesn't give you as much guidance you know what i mean i I think something like the doubter is probably where you were trying to shoehorn head gut for instance no yeah i know know what you mean but like when you when you say head gut it doesn't give you the vigorous right right idea that doubter know everything c3po is going to do and how he's going to how he's going to view the entire world Mm -hmm. and uh and also you can drop it in i mean like i I didn't think man of steel was a great movie but the true believer and the doubter in that are the reporter and her editor right and so it gives you know they they're in a relationship. She's in a relationship right there. She's going Superman's not a not not a threat, and the editor's going. I think maybe he is a threat. And and the it's weak, but the thinker and the and the because they're not well developed in the movie. But the thinker and the feeler are the military man and the and the scientist. And you know it, it, their their dynamic is set up by the nature of their roles. Uh, I, I know James hates the Marvel movies, but Ant Man is fantastic. Oh, let's talk the, about Ant Man. I'm just gonna go pour myself another drink. <laughs> The mentor is clearly old Ant Man, mm-hmm. and this is having a relationship with your daughter before it's too mm-hmm. late. So the bad example is is what uh, wouldn't Ant Man himself, who doesn't have a good no, relationship no, with his daughter, be the bad no example? No dual roles. No dual roles. <laughs> Wait, no, well, but Sokka was a dual role. No, no, he was one then the other. Ah, okay. So. so if, it's, it's about a father who's going to lose his daughter if he doesn't get his act together. And our mentor is a father who lost his daughter. Then our bad example is what I mean, what pairs with a father? The, the daughter herself is the bad oh, example. What is the bad example. She hates her father. The true believer they tell us in the in the trailer, they talk, they say, be the hero. She already thinks you are. It's the daughter. Right. And the doubter is her mama. Who says, you know, go get a real job and then we'll talk about visitation rights. Right. Yeah. And then the thinker and the feeler are great. The thinker is does not come in until the end. It's the cop that she's dating. 
Right. He figures out that Ant-Man is up to something and he recognizes the car horn and he's tailing them the whole way. And only in the end does he make up his mind to help by erasing the police tapes and coming to the rescue at the end and saying, okay, I'm, you know, as long as you stick to this straight and narrow, then I'm going to help you. And the feeler is clearly, <laughs> yeah. he can't even tell a story without like, you know, embellishing it a thousand fold. He's just smiles on his face the whole time. My opinion. Yeah. 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 And that, and that's the cop and criminal cop and career criminal as your parent. Right. Yep. Very so clever. Father, daughter, daughter, mother, police officer and career criminal. Okay, while you guys are talking, I wrote out um, what it would be for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Tell me if okay. I'm right here. Okay. The hero is Indiana Jones. Yep. Antagonist is Tote. Yep. Mentor is Brody. Mm-hmm. Sure. The bad example, obviously, is Belloc. Mm-hmm. Sure. The true believer is Sala. Like, from the very beginning, he's like, Indy! You know, he's, he's like... Now, is, now, I can't figure out what Marion is. Is she doubter, thinker, or feeler? She doubts at first... But she's, she's not a feeler. She doesn't rush into things later on. But she's not a thinker. She's not coming up with solutions. I think there might not be a thinker or a feeler, and she's just a doubter. She's the doubter. She's the doubter. Why would you come here? I was a child. You, right. you, you. Oh, God. Yeah. Let's not get into that. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but so there's no thinker or feeler. No, I don't think there are. There are not enough characters in the film. Yeah. Maybe the, uh, the, the, the feeler is a guy with a sword. That he just shoots. <laughs> he felt that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, community. Ooh. Um, oh, wait. So, actually, I think this is super advanced. So, let's not kick it to Matt. Let's kick it to you. Because I think okay. you, this is, you, you can trip up really hard on this one. Like, just re listen to you talking about how community ships rolls around. Yeah. Right. So, Abed is clearly the thinker, and, and Troy is the feeler when we start. And I, I think that the true believer is, is um, Annie, who is madly in love with Jeff, and the doubter is Britta. Yeah. The mentor. But the mentor. The bad example. Dark mentor of Pierce? I think, I think, good Lord, is... is the dean? Shirley the mentor? Who? Shirley. Shirley. No, she she's so underdeveloped. I mean, Shirley is Shirley couldn't be sort of a mentor. She's someone who has tries to tries to give guidance. No, we have to admit when this is straining. <laughs> no, but look, the bad example is clearly Pierce. And yeah, Shirley, yeah, the bad example is Pierce. And she gets you, you. She gets paired with Pierce more often than anyone else. And and you have the black woman and the racist paired. Yeah, yeah. And Shirley but, is also somebody who we find out has a dark past who's trying to be a better person. Well, there is literally that episode in which the foosball episode, yeah. um, in which it turns out like like she and Jeff Winger knew each other when they were kids when she like yeah. humiliated him at foosball. I, yeah. I can't believe I. I think so, she's the. Like, I think she's the community mentor. is my marvel, guys. Yeah, uh, um, it's not. As, well, it's the same directors. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not true. This is like. Typical Matt Bird over like uh like you you, you have a, a little bit of a point you have five percent of a point not blow it up into hundred percent of a point not all of the all of the episodes were directed by the Russo brothers they directed the pilot they directed the most famous episodes no that's not true there's a lot of other great directors Rob Schraub did some great episodes no no that, that, no good no good so yeah I so surely as mentor that makes sense in, in this kind of mathematical way but she. I mean, and, and I can I can pull that foosball example out, but I mean, if she's mentor, that was like a 
underdeveloped well, they aspect. They go to the place where her picture's on the wall from being roaring drunk. <laughs> and they have the time that they bond over the fact that they're both vicious in their insults. Well, who's and, the antagonist? Oh, the dean. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it, the dean, not the no, dean. No, Senor Chang. Senor Chang is the antagonist. Yeah, I guess you're right. It, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of John Oliver at one point. but it, Yeah, right. I guess you're right. But this is also, this show changed so much from what they intended at its inception. It's, it's like Joel in Northern Exposure, where they, what they thought they were writing and what they end up writing is so different by the end of the first season that, right. that the roles are all going to start shifting and changing. Yeah, it was weird. Twin Peaks went off the air, but it really didn't. It just underwent mitosis, and one half of it became the X-Files, and the other half became Northern Exposure. Oh, that's Picket <laughs> Fences. Picket Fences. Picket Fences is also in there. Yeah, yeah. This is part of the Twin Peaks. Yeah, I actually am not a fan of Twin Peaks, but I love all of its children. Wow. <laughs> you, you're, you're, I just went from your greatest fan to... <laughs> <laughs> Don't don't challenge James on Twin Peaks, but uh, I'm I'm sure James is very impressed by your ability to pick out random moments from later in the run of Community. So uh, so you know you're 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 losing him and gaining him uh, in rapid succession. Oh uh, yeah, I'm spinning here. I don't know I know where where I'm gonna land. Well, now you're gonna go through all my accents. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, wow, this is this is really super helpful, Lou. I I love it when we have an episode that's super crafty like this. And kind of geometrical like this, like with, like things can just like drop out. Like I was a physics major in college. When things can drop out this elegantly, it really is satisfying. Uh, um, it really feels like you're com- you're completing a geometric proof. Great. I'm trying to compliment you. <laughs> okay. Well, is there anything else, Lou, that you wanted to add about uh, about what you're uh, talking about here? Well, I, I'm almost out of time, and I don't want to get into Orphan, Wanderer, Warrior, Martyr, or the two columns. Wait, what? You had more to give us, and you've been sitting on it? <laughs> I might have to do this another time. We would love to have you on again. Sounds like you've got a wonderful additional things to talk about, Lou. Lou, thank you so much for coming on. My yeah, God, thank you. you. You've brought so much thought and everything to what we're doing here. This has been a huge blast. I really... What? It, this has been a huge blast. I'm. I'm oh, here. I thought you said. It, I thought you said it had been a huge bust. <laughs> oh, I, I've never. I've never had a guest uh, on before who just said, "No, this just didn't work for me. This was. Uh, this was just a shame. It's, you know it's hilarious? just a shame that, how well everything turned out today." I thought that you had said this is a huge bust too, and I, I gotta admit, my heart leapt. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, this is gonna get so good." And, 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 uh, you thought we were going to finally get some real conflict oh, going on. I was like, really, really happy me, for one moment. Let me tell you what I really think about you two. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, been a huge blast. Well, we found it to be a huge blast, too. Okay, I'll go ahead and wrap things up. Thank you, everyone, for listening, America. It sounds like we may get another episode out of this. We will talk to you soon. Yay! Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Story podcast. Please subscribe and rate us wherever you found us. Go to secretsofstory.com and click on the Secrets of Story podcast in the sidebar to find notes and join the discussion about this episode. Find out about James's novel, The Order of Oddfish, and more at jameskennedy.com. And hey, if you'd like a free audio copy of that book or my book, sign up for a free trial of Audible at our special landing page, www.audibletrial.com secretsofstory. We get a few bucks and you get a free book. Our music is by Head and Kime. Our logo is by Jessica Friday. See you next time.